and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Worshiping with you guys this morning in the house of God, amen? And we mean this group of people. Scripture tells us from Psalm 22 that God inhabits the praises of his people. And I believe that as I've sung with my brothers and sisters this morning. So we worship, we've lifted our hands, we've clapped, we've raised our voices, we've poured out our best for God and worship. Now we turn to the preaching of his word. We are in week two of a very special series titled Bent Tree Discipleship Pathway. If you missed the first week, go back and pick that up wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We are taking a break from our normal verse-by-verse style of preaching to drill down into what it means to grow as a spiritually mature follower of Christ, into that. Now, this new series is really going to be a cornerstone of how we want to do ministry as we move forward. Our teams have been working on this for the last couple of years. Now, it does not replace our D3 groups, but really gives us some seriously good tools to help each other, help each individual become everything that God designed them to be. And when that happens, the church begins to function at a higher capacity. Why is that important? Well, because mature believers in Christ Jesus share the gospel. They evangelize the world they live in. They bring hope to a hopeless world. They feed the hungry. They stand by the orphan. They take care of the widow. They stand for truth and justice. They they serve their neighbors. They help dudes become men of God, true brothers, sons, and fathers. They help ladies become the true women of God, sisters in Christ Jesus, daughters and mothers, spiritually mature Christians help people around them grow through life on life discipleship. And when that kind of stuff begins to happen in a church, listen to me, families are changed. Children are raised in godly homes to follow Christ. When spiritually mature Christians help those around them in the body of Christ, in short, the group or what we call this church, God designed it to be, becomes evident. Sorry if I sound overly hyped about this. I've been looking forward to this week for several uh, several weeks now. But if, if we can just get discipleship running the way we see it outlined in Scripture, then we'll see the world change starting with our own right here. Amen. I don't say that lightly at all. I really don't. I believe in the function of discipleship and and I believe in the power of a mature body of believers doing life together in the function of the church. The, The power of the church, the power of God comes out when those in the church become all that God meant them to be as the group. Now, discipleship is the ultimate function of the church. And I believe in the church so much, I've given my life to serve her. Just Jesus uh, gave his life for the church, and yes, he saves individuals, praise God, but he died for the church, his bride, and I've given my life for the church too. I've died to myself. I have to kill myself over and over. Go, here you are. 
Most importantly, the purpose of discipleship in the church are, are the people brought into the kingdom, those saved by Jesus, and in turn, God is glorified in how we live our lives in the kingdom with each other. And I, I get excited when I talk about discipleship, and specifically the Bent Tree Discipleship Pathway. Well, let's begin our, with a our time of prayer and and just get our hearts right together. Go ahead and close your eyes and just go into a time of prayer. Let's make sure our hearts are right before we pray and before we receive God's word. Is there a sin that you have been committing committing this week you just need to repent of right now? Repent of it. Listen to me, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, your sins have been forgiven. You stand righteous. So repent of those things. Is there someone you need to forgive? Maybe they've wronged you. Maybe it's a brother or sister in Christ even. Forgive. Maybe there's something on your heart. Uh, Maybe it's your schedule, something just really making you busy or it's consuming your thoughts. Can you consciously let that go? God, our prayer right now is that you would be glorified in our time that we spend in your word and in this preaching. God, would you? Clear our minds and help us to focus on what you want us to focus on. May your Holy Spirit open truth to us. Give us your wisdom. And God, may we not be the same when we leave this place today. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be in a lot of places in Scripture. Just because we're not going verse by verse doesn't mean we're not using Scripture. In fact, I may use more. Just just because I can. Okay, go ahead, get your Bibles out uh, or turn them on. Uh, last week, I introduced you to a map that we use as a tool to move forward in our spiritual growth. Uh, if it helps you, it's an analogy, use it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it, but at least try to understand. But get familiar with it enough as we walk through the next couple of weeks together that we can, you can see what I'm talking about as we look at this thing. We call it the Bent Tree Discipleship Pathway. It looks like this. Four different peaks on that. Can you guys see that? There you go. Let me introduce you to a way of thinking about discipleship. It's an analogy of climbing a mountain. Or if you're lazy like me, you can get in a Jeep and go. But taking a path up a steep slope to the very top. Now think of this top of this mountain as spiritual maturity in Christ Jesus. And you can think of the bottom of the mountain as where someone who is just a beginner, a baby Christian, a brand new follower of Christ. Then there are those that are not even on the mountain yet. And those we think of as lost. Now, I know that in this room, there's, 
those hearing me online, that we have someone from every level on these mountains. I know you see that. And maybe some lost people here as well. And, and everywhere in between. For our analogy today, I want everyone to look at this analogy for the, from the perspective of a brand new beginner way down here on the, the, the scale. You got it? That's where we're going to come at this. Let's start with super basic thinking here. When you begin to climb a mountain, there's a few things you need to keep in mind. You need to understand this before you start out. First, you have to begin with the idea that you're going to even go up the mountain. Not someone else is making the journey, you individually. It begins with your commitment. Your commitment doesn't save you. It is your commitment to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Meaning, it's your responsibility to put one foot in front of the other and begin the journey. Then, before you take that first step, you'll need to study this map to see the best way to climb the mountain. You want the best map available, and the best maps are drawn from climbers that have taken this path long before. Third, you want at least one partner to go with you as you follow this pathway. But it's really best if you travel with a group of people together. You can take along people that have never walked this pathway before. That would be great, in fact. But at minimum, you're going to want to at least have one other person that has walked this path all the way up to the top of the mountain. We call those spiritually mature people. That has successfully taken someone up the first time. Now this is important. In the best case scenario is to have someone with you that's kind of like a Sherpa. You know what a Sherpa is? Those guys that take people all the way up to the top of Everest. Someone who's taken people over and over and over. Because they know the dangers you'll face. They know the pitfalls that you might uh, run into. The rough terrain ahead and how you need to prepare for it. Because they know the pathway. So you listen to spiritually mature people. Now let's take a look at the map. We'll come back to this in more detail over the coming weeks together in what it means in the Christian life. Now this analogy has four peaks on it. You see those? Each one's going to be a little higher, a little harder. Now you see all four peaks. This is just a a cross section of the entire journey we call discipleship. Again, just a way to think about it. In it, we see all four peaks at the same moment. But here's the thing. When you're on the path, you don't see anything except the path that you're on, right? You see where your little feet are trudging in the place that you're on. Every once in a while, you might get a glimpse of something ahead. When you're on the trail, you just see the trail though. But that's why you have your map. That's why you have your group you're traveling with. And that's why you have a spiritual mentor. Uh, Like regular hiking, you might get a glimpse every once in a while of the other mountain peaks in the distance. But generally, you can't see even the next mountain on the trail until you get to the, the top of the mountain that you're on. Now, once you reach that first peak, then you'll see the second peak in front of you. But then your eyes will be on that pathway for a while. And then that's the case until you've reached the top of all four peaks. Now, are you with me on the analogy? The first peak that you're going to climb on your way to spiritual maturity in Christ, Jesus, is the mountain that I call Share Mountain. Here it is, Share Mountain. The Share Mountain, let's just say it's fun. It's beautiful. 
You'll love it. You'll love this journey, especially as you start out. It's not an easy mountain. And it can be, well, let me just say a little bit scary from time to time. But uh, it's a joy to climb this mountain. It's the start of the pathway. To be on this pathway, Jesus says, you must be born again, born from above. You're saved from the penalty of your sin, given the righteousness of Jesus, adopted as a child. It's a beautiful new day for you as you start this mountain. But it's just the start, and there's a long way to go. But here, it's here you're saved. You don't know much about following Jesus on this mountain. And you don't know what the whole thing's about. That's okay. Every Christian starts at the bottom. Now, many of you that are new to the faith in Christ already have started up this mountain. And that's great. Praise God. But my warning to you is that if you haven't already, get a guide. Someone that will walk by your side on this. Or what we call that spiritual parent. A group of people as well to travel with you. That's why the church is so important. You want that spiritual parent, that spiritual guide, that's mature in Christ Jesus to walk on the trail beside you. Because it's on this first mountain peak, it's this pathway that you'll easily lose your way. Especially if you're a newbie. By the way, we call this first mountain share because you'll start by sharing your new life in Christ. We saw this back in the Gospel of John. Do you remember that? When the woman at the well, raise your hand if you remember, we used to be in a series called John. Just kidding, that was just a few weeks ago. But this part, chapter four, is like a year ago. So when he goes and sees the woman at the well, he asks her for a drink. And by the end of that encounter, the Samaritan woman believes in Jesus as her Savior and Lord. She believes He is the Son of God, the Messiah. And do you remember the very first thing that she does? She she drops everything, goes back into town, gets all the people from the low places, and it's mountain number one. Let's read about it here in John 4, 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. She shares with her community that she, what she knows about Jesus, which is just a little bit. But she says, he's the Christ. Come see. In other words, she shares the gospel truth. And the result is all these other people begin to share in the salvation offered through Christ Jesus. Now, this is what we're talking about with this part of the discipleship pathway. You don't have to know much at this point. Just You just want to point people to Jesus. Just say, I don't know. I'm brand new in this. Let me take you to Jesus. He'll explain everything. By the way, this map will tell you some of the basic mile markers on this pathway that you'll want to make sure you hike to those markers and learn and understand them. Things like getting baptized as a new believer. Uh, telling friends and family like this woman did that you go, I'm a believer, publicly declaring your faith in Christ Jesus. Sharing your story of how you came to faith in Jesus and then, more importantly, telling them where they can find Jesus by learning to share the gospel with others. You see, your story is interesting, but your story doesn't save people, Jesus does. 
Now, what's incredible about the first mountain is that new believers can really be effective in leading and sharing the gospel, leading people to the gospel. Why is that? Well, because your sphere of influence, the place where you live, probably includes people like that woman at the well who who are just as lost as you were before, before you heard the gospel. And you can tell them because you have a relationship with them. They knew how screwed up you were and they see the life change in you and they go, I want some of that. But don't be surprised when the spirit changes your heart and gives you a new set of friends in Christ Jesus. Because you get new priorities. And sometimes the world can just completely reject you. Say, "Mm, I'm not going to be with you. Things like reading your Bible and attending the uh, church. That some of your old friends don't be surprised when they fall away. And say, if you're not going to be like that, I don't want to be a part of your life. And they say, I don't want to be on that pathway you're on. You'll find out that it's critical that you learn new habits on this first mountain. As you travel this pathway, starting new habits like reading the Bible daily, studying it along with other people, maybe in a D3 group, studying it with spiritually mature people, other people like you that are just beginning to. Coming to church, listen to me, every Sunday. Attending your D3 group every time it meets and maybe a one-on-one Bible study in there. Now, something you'll notice about spiritually mature people is they never stop doing what they learned on Share Mountain. They never stop. Even when they're really spiritually mature, they never stop sharing their faith in Christ Jesus. They never stop presenting the gospel. Write this down. Spiritually mature Christ followers never stop sharing the gospel. Spiritually mature, whoop, spiritually mature Christ followers never stop sharing the gospel. I personally need a big amen on that. Amen. Yeah. That was weak, but it'll do. All right, spiritually mature Christians never stop, listen to me, doing the things they learned on Share Mountain. And that's important because when you stop doing these things, you'll stop growing your faith. You'll actually atrophy. You'll go backwards in your faith. You don't lose your salvation. I'm not saying that, but you stop growing. I've got to warn you, it's on Share Mountain that there's a crowd of people that say they're walking the pathway And I think they're probably Christians, but the truth is they stopped going up the mountain a long time ago. It's like they set up shop right there, got a little tent. You know, they they live on Share Mountain. They've never grown past. Some of them have been there for years. Here's the warning. There's tons of people on Share Mountain that will offer you advice on how to grow in your faith and in your Christian life. Listen carefully to them. Compare it to what it says in the Bible. Be nice, be nice. And then ask your shepherding elder or your spiritual mentor, your, that mature person in your life, that Sherpa, ask them if it's true. Because oftentimes advice that people give on Share Mountain, wrong advice. With a good group of folks to travel with you, uh, with a spiritual parent by your side, getting good habits built, you'll be able to travel discipleship, the tr- discipleship pathway to the top of Share Mountain actually pretty quick. It's not easy, but listen to me. 
It's the easiest of the four peaks. Does that make sense? And once you reach the top of Share Mountain, the second peak you're waiting for there, waiting on you, is this, Connect Mountain. Here it is. Connect to God, connect to purpose, connect to people. Now we call it Connect Mountain because this is where you begin to move from just sharing to a deeper connection with other believers in your life and with God. We call this a church family or a church or the body of Christ, all the same thing. We take care of each other. It's where you will connect into deeper relationships with people that are more mature than you and those some less mature than you. The way you connect with others through the church is to join a D3 group if you haven't. By the way, these relationships begin to form on Connect Mountain, become very, very dear to you. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Man, I'll tear up if I look out there. I'll take my glasses off a second. And I see your face because I, if I stay on this point too long, because it's right here at, at Bentry that I have so many brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, I love so dearly that I have poured into my life, but they have poured more into me. Let's just say a brother or a sister in Christ is sure good to have when the storms of life will hit on this mountain. And it's on this mountain that the storms of life will begin to swirl around you. And sometimes God allows some serious storms to come along in our life. I whispered to Bibi that song we were singing earlier, Magnify. Oh, that you would magnify. I said, I wonder how many people would be singing at the top of their lungs if they realize the thing that magnifies God's greatness is the storms that they will go through the hard times. Along with brothers and sisters in Christ on Connect Mountain, begin to stick to a regular prayer time every day, praying, reading your Bible, getting alone, pouring out your worries to God, then leaving them there, then reading his word, letting him pour his word into you. Begin to dig deeper into your daily Bible study time and on Sunday mornings. Take notes on Sunday mornings. Try to go deep to grow deep. It's in this mountain, on this mountain, that you'll begin to see the first signs of spiritual growth begin to take shape. More love, more joy, more peace, patience, kindness. You'll start to see self-control just starting to bud spiritual fruit. And it's here that you'll notice that your sins and your temptations you've struggled with, especially when you were younger, before you knew Christ, it's here on Connect Mountain that you begin to, to realize the depth of God's love for you, that you mourn your past life. You know you're forgiven of it, but you feel sorry. You didn't know it was that bad, but you begin to see the depth of your wretchedness. John Newton, the great pastor and hymn writer said, there's two things I know. One, I'm a great sinner. And two, Jesus is a great Savior. But at the same time, you'll realize the love of God through the gift of His Son on your behalf, it it grows into deep. So I I, I talk about this because it's if I, 
if I talk about this thing too long, I, I can't go on. I just, I just weep. Now, let me describe a pretty difficult part of Connect Mountain. It's not, all, it's not the only difficult part, but it's one of the hardest parts of this mountain. The people on, on this mountain. The church. Sometimes Christians are hard to love. Sometimes they're hard to like. Sometimes church people can be mean. And listen to me. There ain't no hurt like church hurt. By the way, something that I hear over and over again from people out there is that I used to go to church, but so-and-so made me mad, so I quit. And I get it. People don't like to be hurt. And you get hurt when you offer your heart in return. The truth is, there's still a lot of people on this mountain that are messy and aren't very mature. Write this down. It's important you understand this. The danger for Christians is that you may be tempted to pull away from relationships in the church. The danger for Christians is that you may be tempted to pull away from relationships in the church. If I'm your Sherpa, listen close here. Christians, they pull away from the church or if they say they connect only in a superficial way, you know what I mean? Like they keep walls up. By the way, I was a staff pastor at a church of 4,500 people uh, attending. Notice I didn't say members. They were just attenders. They uh, coming each week. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being a large church, but the danger is that people can hide there so very easily. They can attend, they're attenders, and they never really connect as a member and a valued part of the body. Pulling away from membership at a local church, listen to me, it won't work. It's on this peak, your spiritual pathway, that you'll have to enter into the mess of people's lives. And this is hard. And that's a risk. There will be people that hurt you. Not to make you jumpy and afraid of the people on either side of you, but just let me uh, go so far as to say, listen to me. If you have not been hurt by another brother or sister in Christ, you will be. Remember, the church is not a country club for saints. It's a hospital for messed up sinners. Now, we're all a bit messed up, some of us more than others, but Jesus is working on us. But the truth about love is that it is a risk, a risk of getting hurt by others. But the result of not connecting with others is just as dangerous. Look at this, or more so. Write this down. A Christian Christian stops growing in their faith when they stop connecting with God's people. I'm laying some heavy truth on you right here. Some of you need to hear this. A Christian stops growing in their faith when they stop connecting with other, with God's people. Here's what to remember to keep you safe. Forgiveness. Keep short accounts. Forgiveness is letting go of the wrongs done to you by others 
Listen to me, not because they deserve forgiveness. They don't, but Jesus does. He forgave you. That's why you forgive, not that they deserve it. Now, I could go on to describe a ton more about Connect Mountain, but you'll see more as we move forward. But the thing I want you to understand is about getting to the top of Connect Mountain is that your connection with God, listen to me, grows deeper as your connection to the church, the body of Christ grows. You could say that your love grows with other people in the church as you grow closer to God and love him more. Both of those things go together. And it's that love for both God and the church that leads you to the next peak we call Serve Mountain. Here it is. Serve Mountain. Prepare to serve. Equip to serve. Inspire to serve. Just like when you reached the top of Share Mountain, the things you learned on that first peak You'll never stop doing that stuff. The same is true with Connection Connection Mountain. In fact, you'll need to make sure that that all you learned on those first two mountain peaks, those summits, is in regular daily practice as you begin hiking the pathway on Serve Mountain. Like I said, it's the love you have developed for others in the body of Christ and for God himself on Connect Mountain that will lead you to want to serve God and serve other people. In fact, if you try to serve without going up that other mountain, Connect Mountain, it won't work. Can I just tell you that it's this Serve Mountain pathway that you'll begin to see the real you emerge. I mean the you that God designed you to be, not the you you think you are. We were created for connection, commitment, and for ministry inside the church family. We were created specifically designed to be part of the local body of believers we call the church. This is where you begin to see how your particular gifting from God fits together in how you serve the church. Maybe you're gifted to preach, or maybe you're gifted in administration or serving Maybe it's leading a D3 group. Maybe even a student D3 group. Maybe a middle school boys D3 group. Now, whatever your gifting, the key on this mountain is to find your gifting, grow your gifts, and then use them regularly and as often as you can. What's so cool about this peak and it's, and it's this point in the journey that you found the other believers along the pathway in the church family that can help you identify the particular set of gifts that God has given you. Check this out. The set of gifts God has given each person is specifically designed by God to serve the church body. Some of you are not going to get this for a little while because you're way down on the first peak. But this is so cool. The set of gifts God has given each person is specifically designed by God to serve the church body. And it's when you begin to serve faithfully that you start to see how those gifts contribute to the overall growth and health of the church itself. You ever wonder why God made you so weird? right here. You were uniquely weird because God has uniquely wired you 
to build his church. That's truth right there, brothers and sisters. This is a concept that most Christians, they're just oblivious to, that you begin to understand once you get to this point in your spiritual growth, when you are doing what you were designed to do in the context of the local church, the church now then can be able to operate at 100% of its giftedness. And baby, it's unstoppable then. Until that point, the church cannot become everything that it was designed to be because it's missing parts. That's the problem because we're going against God's plan when we're not serving in the church. Because the church then is missing some of its parts. Is that making sense? As you mature in and travel this part of the pathway, on this peak you'll begin to realize that the church is what the church really is and how it operates. Some of you think that the church is a building. And I, although I say it all the time, it has nothing to do with the building. You begin to understand what the role that you have and how it plays into that body. By the way, when you serve the church body, you begin to love it more and more and You love God and others more and more. I can't stress this enough. This is where some serious spiritual growth starts to happen. This is like spiritual barbells when you serve. Because serving that we learn to grow, that's where it happens. And just like the first two peaks, a mature believer that never stops doing what they learned on those first two peaks. A warning here though. I've seen many a Christian get stuck on this peak. And never make it to spiritual maturity. It can happen to people for a number of reasons. But let me just give you two right away. One is that you serve with the wrong motivations. And not out of a love for people that you're connected to. Like maybe you want to be seen. You'll burn yourself out. You see many Christians can try and fake their way in. And try to serve and just prove to others they're mature enough. To be on Serve Mountain. But it wears them out. They can't go on because they didn't do all the stuff to to grow on those first two peaks. The second thing I'll share here is that if you try to serve in an area that you're not gifted in because you think it might be cool, it won't work. You got to find the place you're gifted to. It will either burn you out and you'll end up damaging the actual people that you're trying to serve as well as damaging the whole church body overall. And here's what can happen. When you get burned out or you get frustrated in serving, you might be tempted to pull away of serving altogether. Listen to me. That's always, always, always a mistake. Did I say always? It's always a mistake. I'm not saying that you can't take a break from serving. For sure you should. You should take regular breaks. We all need it. It's why I have other preachers up here besides me. But if you stop serving too long, you'll actually regress in your spiritual growth and in maturity. Your muscles will atrophy. I know this sounds strange, but I've seen it happen to even the most mature spiritual disciples out there. Like a campfire that's roaring with a bunch of logs. If you take one of those logs out and drag it away from the campfire and the heat goes out and the fire stops, it'll happen to you. 
But let me say right here, when you're serving in your gifted capacity and you're growing in your gifts, growing in your ability, something very strange starts to happen. Time bends. You enjoy serving and time goes by really quick. I mean, serving becomes a delight. Now, don't get me wrong. It wears you out. Sunday afternoon, I'm like a wet noodle. And and I don't even work hard like some of you. I got soft hands. But like, I I get tired at the end of the day because I've poured my week out. Like I've poured the word of God out. And yet I love it. You really enjoy, you will enjoy serving others. I mean, serving becomes this delight that it's just a joy for your soul and you can't get enough. And notice I didn't say it doesn't wear you out at times because you'll love the work. The serve mountain is so key in reaching this next mountaintop because you'll never get to this point of spiritual maturity in your life to begin to climb this final peak. You ready for it? Here it is. We're at the keyhole right here. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you are going, I've never heard that. So I'm not going to tell you now. Disciple peak. Here it is. Disciple mountain. That last peak, the number four peak, it's the hardest. And there's the most risk. It has all the same risk of the first three, but doubled. And let me... And yet it is also the most rewarding of all the peaks. Because when you see people not only growing in their faith, that you walked up the discipleship pathway with, it's when the people you have helped lead then begin to help disciple others. Oh, what a blessing that is. Now, every analogy breaks down. If you lean on it too hard. The bent tree discipleship pathway is a way of thinking about spiritual growth and discipleship. I'm going to give you a couple of more over the coming weeks. But here's where this analogy can break down. So stay close with me. The goal is to grow each and every believer in the church into be, being a spiritually mature Christ follower. To make it to the top of discipleship peak, you'll need every bit of what you learned on those first three peaks. Back to what we learned last week when Jesus said to his now spiritually mature disciples at the end, just before he ascends back into heaven, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. We call this the Great Commission, right? Jesus says to them, or it says, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, listen up. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. With all we've learned today about the Bentry discipleship pathway, here's what it's all for. The point of spiritual maturity is so that you can lead someone to Christ and then help them grow into all that God designed them to be.
the point of spiritual of spiritual maturity is so that you can lead someone to Christ and then help them grow into all that God designed them to be. We're talking about purpose in life, your purpose. We're talking about meaning in life. We're talking about the reason that God still has given you air in your lungs. We have a job to do as Christ followers. Now, going back to our mountain analogy, it takes training to be a disciple maker. We have all kinds of resources available for you in this area. We'll add to those as we uh, move over time. I'm a bit of a reader, if you didn't know it. I'm always looking for resources that will help you and resources that are just junk. I go, don't read these. Like any skill, discipleship takes practice. At first, you'll be a little shaky. That's okay. But start. We learn by watching other people and then copying what they do and then doing it ourselves. To walk with a good discipler and watch how they do it is so key. Then to start to disciple others yourself along with other disciple makers. Like if you've never uh, been even in a D3 group, we don't want you to start out by leading a D3 group. We just want you to go. You need to get trained up though. You need to be in a D3 group. See how it works. You need to hone the craft and and any area you're leading people or serving people in the church, that's true. What's really interesting about this mountain analogy and getting to the top of Discipleship Peak is that it's not the end. It's only the beginning. Go with me on this. The goal of every mature Christian discipler Mature Christian discipler is not just maturity itself, but that you can now lead others to Christ in discipleship. The goal of every mature Christian discipler is not just maturity itself, but that you can now lead others to Christ in discipleship. Because sometimes people say, I just want knowledge. Listen to me. Knowledge, especially Bible knowledge, is wonderful. But don't let it fool you into thinking you're somehow mature just because you have knowledge. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 10 verse 14, I love this. How then will they call on him whom they have never believed, have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You see, God doesn't need us to share the gospel. God's not lacking. But what he does is to invite us into the process to help people grow in their faith. And he does that for your joy and his glory. He invites you into the process because it'll give you joy to lead others to him. And he brings you into that process because it will give him more glory. I mean, think about this. To take you, a broken vessel, or me, 
to bring others to himself through messed up people like us? How could, how could God use me? Don't you realize how messed up I am? He could do it all by himself, but think about this. It actually makes God more glorious that he can save others in spite of our flaws and foibles. The truth is, the truth is, as long as you have breath in your lungs and a heartbeat, God has some more work for you to do and you need to grow. We never stop growing in our faith. We never. When I say that getting to the top of discipleship peak, it's not the end, but it's the beginning. This is where we begin to really grow in our faith. And here's where we do it. We go back down to the very start. The very bottom of the mountain with all that God has taught us up all four peaks. And then we look for people along that pathway that we can help travel. That we can say, come on, come alongside and say, hey, you want a traveling partner here as you travel up this pathway? Sure. I don't know much. I've never been on this. I've been up a couple of times. Let me walk with you. Would that be okay? Listen, spiritually mature people. They're always looking for others in the church that they can help come alongside and help them travel the discipleship pathway. It's what we do. It seems counterintuitive at first, doesn't it? I'm at the very top of the mountain, so I think think I'll go back down to the bottom of the mountain, start all over again, but it's what we do. Now, don't get the wrong idea here. The top of the mountain is not that everyone becomes a pastor. Some will. Praise God when that happens. But that's not the goal. The goal is that you become the most spiritually mature person that you can be with the gift set, serving in that gift set God has given you. And then pouring into the local church, helping everyone else go on that pathway too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I get excited for what you are doing at Bentree. I get so excited when I see spiritually mature people walking with new believers. But God, I think I get most excited when I see spiritual fruit starting to bud in the lives of the people in this church and then come alive into the person you have called them to be. As you just continue to pray right now, I, I just want to challenge you with this thought and maybe you, you take this to the Lord in prayer and that is, where am I on this pathway? Are you on one of these peaks? And if so, have you been there a while? Are you growing? Or have you started to camp out there? Are there some of you right now that you've been on the discipleship peak, that highest peak, but then you kind of pulled away because someone hurt you, maybe in the church? You go, I'm never going to let that happen again. You, you play like you've forgiven them, but you've pulled away in the name of boundaries. And listen to me, boundaries are a great thing to have. But if they 
take you away from the church and disengage you. They're not boundaries. They're walls. Some of you right now need to re-engage in serving the church, in sharing the faith, in discipling others. Is that you right now? What does God say about it? Just pray. Pray and ask that. Well, God, I lift up my brothers and sisters right now that you would make them each into the each individual see the path in front of them, not the whole thing, but what next step they need to take and help them take it. God, get them moving on this. God, I pray for people being bold and sharing their faith and their sphere of influence at work and at school. That we would be ready and willing to share the gospel truth with those around us. God, I pray that this church grow with new believers. But I also pray that it grow with the spiritual depth as we take those new believers into spiritual growth. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentry Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentryChurch.com.